0: I want to say hello to the folks in the uh, overflow room. I I tried it out for a little while. The acoustics are actually really good over there, just so you know, for those of you that are next door. Um, And there's donuts, so I just want to try to make you feel better. Uh, We want to welcome you again. Again, my name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible Church, and we're just so glad you're with us uh, this Resurrection Day as we celebrate that Jesus conquered sin and death. Today we're going to be looking at a passage in Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bible with you, you can open it up to Romans uh, it's on page 944 in the black Bibles that you'll find under the chairs. If you don't have a Bible and, and you'd like to follow along, uh, you could look it up there. Um, the resurrection, as I said earlier, is, is really what we celebrate every Sunday as we gather to worship on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's it sealed and proved that he has finally conquered sin and death for us, that he is our champion. He's the victor. And we're going to look in Romans 8 about what that has accomplished in our life. Um, When we look in another passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if the resurrection didn't actually happen, we're wasting our time. And so Christians gather to celebrate something that we believe happened in reality. It was something that happened in history. It is our true hope that Jesus really did conquer death. Jesus raised a few people from the dead during his earthly ministry, but he's the only person that was, as it says in Hebrews, raised by the power of an indestructible life, who by his divinity rose from the dead, who conquered sin and death as the first fruits, promising us that that we'll we'll defeat death as well if we trust in him. That's our hope. That's why we celebrate at Easter time. And, And so what I want us to focus on this morning is is those benefits that we have through that resurrection. What Jesus accomplished for us. We're going to read Romans 8 verses 1 through 11 and I want to start by kind of centering us on what it says at the end at verse 11. It says in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now we don't have Time uh, today, this morning, to cover all the details of the conditions that you're about to hear. As I read the whole text, you're going to hear a condition, a if clause that shows up again and again. If the Spirit lives in us. It's very clear in Ephesians chapter 1 and in many other places in the New Testament that if you trust in Jesus as your Savior, His Spirit dwells in you. A lot of people might try to tell you that you need some sort of special bizarre experience, some kind of second experience to know that the Spirit is in you. And I'm not against bizarre experiences. Those are great. But if you trust in Jesus, His Spirit dwells in you. And so I just want to settle that up front because we're really not going to take time to dig into that much more, but settle that condition. If, if you trust in Jesus, His Spirit is in you. And then all the logic of this text, you can go back and read the whole book of Romans for yourself to kind of understand that more deeply. But all the logic of what he's going to say here is based on, do you trust Jesus? Then, then that spirit, that spirit of life, that resurrection spirit is in, is in you. And there are great benefits that come along with that. So if you'll follow with me, we'll read Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law Because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the life, for the resurrection power that you promise us. And God, we we need it. We live in a, in a broken world. We live with pain. We live with death. We live with decay. We need your resurrection power. We, we ask you that you would teach us how to, to live trusting your spirit, trusting your spirit of life. We thank you. You died for us. We thank you that you give us life. Mm-hmm. And we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, our, our church has been very involved in Guatemala. A lot of you know we just had a, a trip again a few weeks ago. The first time I got to go to Guatemala was about a year ago. And on these trips to Guatemala, we have the great joy of of sharing resources with people that they don't have available, as as well as sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, Ministering to people's needs, both in in word and in deed. And and one of the ways that that I got to help people physically when I was there in Guatemala a year ago was being a part of the stove team. And we've explained to you guys some before, but I know not everybody's heard this before, that some of the people that we work with there are really primarily the people we work with there live in in desperate poverty, Uh, extreme poverty, the likes of which we just don't see in our country. Um, They they live in uh, shacks or huts that are just kind of like wood, uh, just kind of strung together, scrap wood that they find with sheet metal that's scrap sheet metal and a little bit of that tin sheet metal for a roof. And generally these people will will burn a fire, just an open campfire, on the floor of their hut. And that's how they cook. And that's how they take care of their daily needs. And this causes a lot of problems, right? They, they're, they have serious health problems because of smoke inhalation, right? Because that smoke is just pumping into their house. It's very inefficient. They have to gather more wood for a fire like that because it's an inefficient just open fire there. Um, they have to worry about their kids sometimes falling into the fire and getting hurt. So they have all kinds of health problems because of this. So we have this great joy of, of bringing in them these stoves. And and we want them to have buy-in, right? So so they actually partially pay for some of the stoves themselves. We we pay for some of it, but they pay for some of it. So they really have ownership, right? So they can really enjoy the full benefits of it. Um, they, they also, we're, we kind of train them how to use it, how to clean it out, how to make use of it. And so we have this just very simple stove. It's concrete and, and sand with an iron cooktop and, and what's really important is this uh, stovepipe that, that gets the smoke out of their their hut or their shack. And so it's this, it's this wonderful thing. It was just an incredible joy to be a part of that and be able to, to bring that to them and, and to share with them that, that this will be a blessing to you and this stove hopefully will help you. Someday it'll break down and wear out. But the hope that we have in Jesus, that, that will never go away, right? Jesus has conquered sin and death, and that's our permanent hope. That's our eternal hope. So again, we're, we're trying to minister to them in word and in deed, both. One of the things that was fun the first time we went a year ago is, is going, and sometimes the, the way their houses are arranged, they're kind of just stacked on top of each other on these hills, you know, all close together. and So you kind of have to walk through one hut to get to another oftentimes. And so sometimes we'd see someone else's stove that they had just gotten on the last trip or on last year. So that was exciting as we were getting started. Like, this is what it's going to look like. This is the hope of what we look forward to. And seeing them enjoy that and cooking, you know, much more cleanly and much more safely on the stove. But there was one time on this trip where we walked through and we saw someone who, who wasn't, they weren't getting the full benefits of the stove. They weren't enjoying the, the power and the benefits of, of the stove properly working. It had it had broken. I don't know if it was because they didn't understand how to use it or there had been some kind of accident, but the stove pipe was was ripped out and um, they weren't using it properly. They were basically just building a fire on top of it. It was all kind of torn apart. And so so in the end it, it wasn't really any different than just burning a fire on the floor, right? It was just elevated three feet or four feet. You know, it was just up in the air, but it was still just an open fire. And what I want you to understand is that you can have a familiarity with the resurrection. If you've lived in a Western country, you've probably heard the story of Jesus, this, this hero that conquered death. You're, you're probably vaguely familiar with that. Matter of fact, you may be very familiar with it. You may be able to tell the story yourself. But we can live in such a way where we're not taking full advantage of, of what this resurrection power and the benefits that it has for us, what, what it can do in our life. And what Paul is discussing in Romans 8 is, is the incredible power, the incredible benefits that this resurrection has for us. And so I, I want you to take full advantage of the resurrection. I want you to enjoy the benefits of the resurrection in your life. I, I want to better enjoy the benefits of the resurrection in my life. I don't want our lives to be like it's just this broken down thing we don't, we don't use, we don't pay attention to. It's, it's important. Again, Paul says it's central and it changes the way we live. The first thing that we learn about the importance of the resurrection is that we have a a resurrection from condemnation. So if you look at verse 1 in in Romans 8, 1, he says it this way, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is active. I was just talking to a friend the other day. He's like, I've never really noticed that it says now, right? There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is real this is a reality in your own life. Take advantage of these benefits. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. So it says there, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's, there's no condemnation. And it says, where did that condemnation go? We feel condemnation, right? We, we have a sense of condemnation. It says that condemnation that we feel, that we sense, was put on Jesus. It says in verse 3, he condemned sin in the flesh. By sending his own sin in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. So what it's telling us is that Jesus is our substitute. And he took our condemnation away. We have condemnation. We know condemnation. I, I know I'm a failure. I know I've let people down. I know I'm not everything that God has made me to be. And Jesus takes that condemnation for me. I found a picture. I was trying to kind of help you to feel what this is like, right? So here's a picture of a kid that's missed the bus, all right? I won't sing the 80s song for you, but I just kind of want you to feel that feeling. Have you ever had that feeling, right? I've missed it, right? Maybe it's not just physically a bus that you've missed. Maybe it's an opportunity in life, right? Like, well, now I'm too old, or now I've been passed up for that, uh, that promotion, whatever it may be. Have you ever had that feeling of being like an outsider, being, being on the outside? You want you want in, you want to be a part of something good, something healthy, something life-giving. You feel like I'm, I'm on the outside. I'm not a part of that. I'm missing out. I, I have these nightmares sometimes. Maybe you've had this kind of nightmare, like you show up. Um, maybe like the, the miss the bus uh, idea is where I first started with this, that like you're going to a sporting event, and you miss it, like the team's there, and you're you're trying to get there. Have y'all ever had those kind of nightmares? Like it's been more than 20 years since I played on any kind of team. I still have those nightmares. Like oh no, I showed up, but I don't have my gear, or I miss the bus. Right? You, you, you ever have that feeling of being on the outside, or, or a nightmare I have? You may not have this one. Is like showing up for a sermon and and you're unprepared and haven't studied for it. Have you ever? You have that one sometimes? I have that one. Um, Maybe, you know, in your job you give briefings and you have this nightmare that I show up for the briefing and I don't have the PowerPoint or, you know, whatever it may be. We we know this feeling because we live with it every day. So we might have these weird nightmares that are a little connected to reality, but but we live it too. We live the reality of being unprepared, being naked, being uh, uncovered, being laid bare, not ready for whatever is in front of us. We see that played out in the garden when Adam and Eve first sinned and they hid in the garden. It says we, we knew we were naked and so we hid. Do you, do you have that feeling of, of being ashamed before God, being ashamed before other people? There's a lot of things that we do as people to cover that up. There's a lot of things that we take on to try to fix that shame, to try to fix that condemnation, to try to work our way out of it. And the, the text says nothing that we can do in our flesh is going to dig ourselves out of that hole. You can, you can work harder. You can still feel condemned and think, okay, well, I'll just work even harder. It's not going to dig you out. Look at what it says again. It says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the condition. Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation in Him. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He's saying there's two laws at work here. There's a law of sin and death, the law of this is how we operate in our flesh. He goes on to detail that, verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. So what Paul's trying to say here is that there, there's a law of the way things work, right? God tells us, do right, things will go well with you. Be righteous, love people well, be holy, live, live a good life. And we say, okay, I'll, I'll do that, but... That law is weakened by our own flesh. It says in Hebrews 8, the the problem wasn't ever with God's law. The problem was always with us. The problem's always with us, with our flesh, our inability to, to do what's right. And so Paul says that's been fixed. We don't have to feel like outsiders. We don't have to feel like failures anymore now. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The condemnation's been laid on Christ. He took our sins upon himself on the cross says in Colossians that the debt that we owed was nailed to the cross with Jesus. He canceled that written code against us. The debt's been paid. When he died on the cross, he said it is finished. He died for us. He took our place. He took our condemnation. He gives us his perfect standing as the the son that could do no wrong. So that when God looks at us, he delights in us. He loves us. He treasures us as his very own We're adopted through what Christ has accomplished for us. We like to call this the substitutionary atonement. Like a nice, big, long word that just means he he took our condemnation. He took our place. He was our substitute. He stood in for us. And so this has a real effect in our daily life, right? So we all feel condemnation in different ways. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And what we tend to do in our daily life is we tend to cover up that condemnation, we tend to cover up that weakness, that shame, that nakedness that we feel with whatever our strengths may be. And so we can kind of roll along and be doing real well, and then we come to the end of ourselves, and that condemnation's right there again. We need to remember the gospel. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's our hope, not, not our strengths, not the next self-help book, but, but Jesus. He took our condemnation for us. We can't, we can't work our way out of it. I was just uh, interacting with a friend earlier in the week who was saying that they were reading a book that was encouraging them um, to kind of no longer see the voice in their head as themselves but to observe it as an outsider. Right? And, and I wrote back this, this person I don't know is, is a believer necessarily I wrote back that I, I find it important to take a next step and actually talk back to the voice in my head. Right? I told her don't tell anybody because people will think I'm crazy. <laughs> So that's our secret. Y'all don't tell anybody, okay? But, but I find it very important to talk back to the voice in my head because there will be a voice in your head that reminds you, that condemns you, that tells you of your failure, that reminds you of how messed up you are, how far you've fallen, how unprepared, how naked, how shameful you might be. We have to talk back to that voice. We see a great example of this in Psalm 42 when, when the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. And so we have to talk back to that voice. When we feel condemnation, we need to, first of all, agree a little bit and say, well, yeah, I have failed, but Jesus took my condemnation. Y- yes, I've, I've missed the mark for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus took my condemnation for me. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, first of all, I'm encouraging you talk to yourselves. You may not want to do it out loud in public, okay? But somewhere in your life, you need to begin this practice of, of learning to speak the gospel to yourself and trust in the resurrection power. This life-giving spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can also take away your shame. So begin talking back to that voice that speaks condemnation. Say, yes, I, I failed that Jesus took my condemnation for me. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm free. And then the second thing I want you to understand is that that then really frees you to go places and to walk into places and to do things that you may have been afraid to do before. You're now set free to live life with a reckless abandon where you can be, one of the terms that's thrown around a lot in Christian circles today is, is missional, that you can be on mission, you can, you can recognize that God's sent me from here to there, and you can walk into new situations. It, it may not be three continents away, it may just be walking to another cubicle, and sharing the hope that you have in Christ. It may just be walking to a neighbor and offering physical help as they're struggling. I don't know what it is in your circumstance, but you should feel freed up by the reality that there's no condemnation. You should no longer feel like an outsider, insecure and afraid, but you should begin to feel free because there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The next thing I want us to see is that we have a resurrection from inability a resurrection from inability. So he got into this a little bit when he was talking about the spirit of the law, which is is weakened by our flesh, right? This law of sin and death. And then he compares that to the the spirit, the law of life, the supernatural law of this resurrecting power of Jesus. He, He goes into more detail in verse four. Look at verse four. He says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. My question for you is, do you you believe that? Those, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We say again and again here that this this applies to whether you're a rebel that's like forget this religion stuff, or you're religious, holier than thou, and you're giving it all you got to be really, really good. Either way, you can be trusting in your flesh. So the mind that's set on the flesh cannot please God. In the end, it leads to death. Your flesh can't do it. You're not strong enough. You lack the ability. You lack the strength. You need a supernatural power that, that overcomes the death that's at work in you. You need a supernatural power that will come from the outside. You need this, this Jesus who entered into our world, who lived and took our place and gives us his righteousness and gives us that resurrecting power. One of the joys that I have as a father is i helping my kids do things uh, that they couldn't do before. Um, now that they're getting older, they can help me do things I couldn't do before, right? But when they're little, one of the things we enjoy doing was helping them learn to swim. I have a picture here of, of a daddy helping a little boy to swim. It's a great joy, right? Um, I can remember one time when they were very young, pulling one of my kids out of the water when they were about to drown. And then later on, seeing my kids win awards for you know, swimming in competition. So it's this, this beautiful thing. You get to see this progression from, I can't do this, inability to great success at this thing, I have joy as a father, even though I'm a weak, selfish, earthly father. I have a joy helping my kids to do things that they were previously unable to do. God has that same joy. That's what I want you to understand. As your heavenly father, God wants to help you do things, He wants to help you overcome your own inability. And that's what He's talking about here when He talks about the resurrection we have from inability in verse 4. If you look at verse 4 again, it says it this way, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So whether you struggle with rebellious answers to your life, like I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to follow my own heart, that's, that's walking in the flesh. Trusting in pleasure, trusting in what you can come up with, trusting in the next relationship. This is going to fix it. Everything's going to be okay now. That, that's walking in the flesh and the righteous requirements of the law are not going to be fulfilled in your life that way. Or if you're religious and you're just trying to be better than the next guy, you're just trying to bear down and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I'm going to be holy. Again, that's, that's your flesh doing that. He says if you trust in the life-giving spirit, it's supernatural and the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled in us. So Jesus took our condemnation; He took our sin on the cross, verse three, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. So my question for you is: Is what are you trusting in? And then are the are the righteous requirements of the law actually being fulfilled in you? We have this great community here. I I, I love this place. I love getting to do life with you here in this community. And one of the unique things about our community, I think it's a little different than, than other church bodies, is, is we gather a lot of people that are skeptics and are unsure, are still kind of seeking, still kind of trying to figure out this Christianity thing. So we have people here who uh, boldly are not living according to the righteous requirements of the law. right? So often in, in utter contradiction to it. And, and we always tell you, you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. But if you want to follow Jesus... He's going to mess with your life and he's going to change you. And he's going to begin renewing you from the inside out so that the righteous requirements of the law are met in you. He'll do that supernaturally. So, so you don't come here and then just say, what are, the, what are the five things I have to do to fix myself? Okay, I'll just start digging in and doing those five things. No, you have to repent of your ability to do it on your own. And he will resurrect us from our inability to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. I want to challenge those of you that are seeking to grow in your faith with him. Study the law. Study the Old Testament. But don't ever begin to believe that just studying it is enough. You've got to have the resurrection power of Jesus working in your life. Be able to do right things. So if you struggle with sexual immorality, if you struggle with greed, if you struggle with gossip, know that, that we want to encourage you to live by God's standards. We want to encourage you to live according to his moral law, but we're also going to continue to point you to Jesus and his sacrifice for you. And and only as you become convinced that he loves you, only as you become convinced that he gave himself for you, are you going to be able to, from the inside out, be transformed. From the inside out, be resurrected from your own inability to perform those righteous requirements of his law. And so... Our prayer is that God would change you, that you would feel welcome here no matter where you're at. But but if you're coming here and you're not wanting to change, we would have a separate category for that. We, we'd say that that's not a Christian. That's not a follower of Christ. If you want to do your own thing, if you want to say, well, the Bible says this, um, and I just I can't go in for that, that's fine. We're, we're glad you're here. We love you. We want to become friends with you. But if you're going to follow Christ, he's going to change you. He's going to begin messing with your life, and he's going to do that supernaturally not by your strength, not by your flesh, but by the substitution of Jesus, his resurrection power. And this last idea that we come to is a resurrection from pain. We all live with with pain, right? Daily pain, uh, some of us more than others. And the promise that we have in the gospel is is a resurrection from pain, that someday it's all going to be gone. We, We were talking this morning at the sunrise service that there's this really awesome symbolism in gathering to worship in the dark and then finishing our worship service in the light. We, we even play that out a little bit, just how we worship indoors with the lighting, right? It's a little darker when we start. It gets a little brighter as we go, go on. And there's great symbolism in that because when you start worshiping Jesus, it doesn't, doesn't instantly change everything. You don't all of a sudden become healthy and happy. That's what some might say, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, because I've overcome the world. You're going to struggle. You're going to still have pain, but the resurrection is our hope that Jesus has ultimately overcome that pain. That we look forward to what uh, Revelation describes as no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Look again in Romans 8, starting in verse 9. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. First time, The first day you start following Jesus, all of a sudden you're immortal. No, it's this hope. We struggle. We have mortal bodies. There's death in us. But we look forward to a day where where all things will be made right. I have a picture here of someone with a headache, just to kind of get you thinking about the the daily pain. I I don't know what kind of daily pain you live with. It may not be your head. It may be your knees, right? Um, It may be just a, a loneliness, an ache in your soul. It may be a depression that makes it hard for you to get out of bed. In the morning. But but we all as human beings live live with daily pain. And our, our only hope is not a better system, right, or not a better Bible study, or not the next diet, or not the next fad, not the next self help track. Our only hope is the resurrection. He says in verse 10 if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Death still lives in our bodies. You know, I'm kind of at this halfway point in, in life, so, you know, I'm like halfway dead. Some of you are more dead than others. Um, some of you are young and don't think you'll ever start dying, right? But it's, it's already started, sorry. Um, we're, we're, we're all decaying. We're, we're all on that road of our, our bodies just breaking down, not working anymore. And some of us feel it more than others. One of the really one of the blessings and difficulties of being a pastor is blessing is i get to, to comfort people when they struggle with death and difficulty the difficult part is knowing hundreds of people and sharing life with hundreds of people i it's just it's all the time so i see it you know it's, it's probably more real to me maybe than some people because it's just every week someone close to me is is dying or struggling with disease and so i see it and, and my only hope in that is the resurrection when I slip into, well, I'll just be tough and I can just handle all this death and struggle, That that's where I'm way off track. What I want you to understand is the resurrection is our only hope. Not how tough we are, not our flesh, not the next self-help guide, but the resurrection. Because in our bodies and our flesh is death, but in the spirit is life because of his righteousness. Verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The the ultimate promise of the resurrection is that we have a a savior who is conquering sin and death. Physical pain, our mortality that is still with us now. We look forward to a future where it's all going to be taken away. Where all things will be made right. That, That marks us. That changes us. That changes us so that we start living more like Jesus. The one who gave himself for others. The one who washed his disciples' feet, the one who cared for the poor, who actually saw when people were struggling. We'll begin to be those kinds of people. We'll take time for those who are hurting. We'll care for those on the outside, because we know that our hope is not in our flesh, not in our here and now, but our hope is in the future, and we overflow with the grace that he's given us. I want to just wrap up by looking at something Paul is going to say here in just a few more verses. He says in Romans 18, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I know a lot of you know what that means. You know what it means to be able to cry out to God as your father, this good daddy who's with you, who helps you, this good shepherd who leads you to good things and good places. But I also know some of you have no idea what that means. I'd love to talk to you more in detail about what that means. I'd love to talk to you after or this coming week if you want to call or, or email. But just in a nutshell, what it means is, is not trusting in your flesh anymore, is the way he's put it in this text. Not trusting in your own strength, not trusting in your muscles, not trusting in your mind, not trusting in your circumstances, but entrusting but yourself to Jesus is the only solution, is the only one that could take your sin and condemnation, and is the only one that can give you resurrection. That is what we celebrate at Easter. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you love us and you gave your son for us. As we celebrate your conquering power through the resurrection, help us to believe with all of our hearts and help us to live in newness of life. We pray that you would transform this community So that people wouldn't say, hey, those people are great. But people would look at our lives and say, something supernatural has happened. God is transforming them. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.